And if you got that in your eye, it would do you damage. Uh, I, I think these things are legal. I hope they are anyway. <laughs> I didn't get it on the internet. <laughs> I think they're legal, just about legal. Uh, I see they've invented one that can, actually they said it can reach the International Space Station. And uh, so I hope some hooligan doesn't get that and try to blind the astronauts as they do the, the pilots coming into land. Do you know there's a laser on the moon? Did you know that? Did you know that NASA, they have a laser beam to the moon and it helps them uh, to know the distances and so forth and the movement. And uh, the astronauts put it up there and it's still there. Now I think you thought, I, I, I think you think I just made that up, but actually not a lot of people know that, but I didn't. <laughs> he said I could care less about it too. <laughs> All right. Let's go again tonight. Again, back to where we were this past uh, three services to Exodus chapter 28. And we want to read a number of verses here for Exodus 28. And this is, I believe, is part four of our study into the high priest garments. And uh, we want to begin reading here from verse... 9 of Exodus 28. Then you shall take two onyx stones and engrave them on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone and six names on the other stone in order of their birth, with the work of an engraver in stone like the engravings of a signet. You shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You'll set them in settings of gold. And you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. And you shall also make settings of gold. And you shall make two chains of pure gold like braided cords and fasten the braided chains to settings. And you shall make the breastplate of judgment artistically woven according to the workmanship of the ephod, you shall make it of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen. You shall make it. It shall be doubled into a square. A span shall be its length, and a span be its, its width. And you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, an emerald. This shall be the first row. The second row shall be a turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a jacinth, an agate, an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. Now, depending on which translation or version you're reading there, it is slightly different in the New King James and the AV and maybe the NIV and so forth. And uh, so whenever I go to talk about these stones, it will not just be exactly as I have read them. I will be more... Uh, speaking about the names of the stones as is in the AV I'm reading from the New King James. But nonetheless, uh, they'll be relevant. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings in a signet, each one with his own name. They shall be according to the twelve tribes. And you shall make chains for the breastplate at the end, like braided cords of pure gold. And you shall take, make two rings of gold for the breastplate, 
and put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate, and you shall put the two braided chains of gold into the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate. And the other two ends of the two braided chains you shall fasten to the two settings and put them on the shoulder straps of the ephod in the front. And you shall make two rings of gold and put them on the two ends of the breastplate on the edge of it which is on the inner side of the ephod. And the two other rings of gold you shall make and put them on the two shoulder straps underneath the ephod towards its front, right at the seam above the intricately woven band of the ephod or of the curious girdle as we called that this morning as the AV says. And they shall bind the breastplate by means of its rings to the rings of the ephod using a blue cord so that it is above the intricately woven band of the ephod, and so that the breastplate does not come loose from the ephod. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put into the breastplate, you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. Amen. Now as we continue uh, this evening to examine the garments of the high priests and learn more of Christ's ministry and nature and character through the fabrics and the colors and the materials that made up these beautiful garments of the Old Testament high priests, well, now tonight we're going to turn to the breastplate of judgment with its 12 precious stones that was on the front, adorned it. We can see it here. This here is the ephod. There's the curious girdle. But this is the breastplate of judgment. As you see, attached to the two shoulder clasps with the onyx stones that held the back and the front of the ephod. And so... Inside there, because that was a square, doubled, so inside there were the Urim and Thummim. Now, again, this is something of significance to say to us regarding our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now, whenever we speak of the breastplate and the ephod and the girdle, the shoulder straps and the rings and the chains that we'll talk about in a moment, the curious girdle, Whenever we talk about all of these things, uh, we see that they were all connected one to the other. Uh, they were all made so that they were as one as it were. Whenever he put these on, they had to be very careful to make sure that they were all connected. The breastplate, to the ephod, to the shoulder straps, to the curious girdle. And all of this tells us then, of course, that there was harmony and there was unison. And this speaks again of the, the harmony and the unison between Christ's divinity, his humanity, between his righteousness, between his mediatorialship, and all of these wonderful aspects and nature and character of a Lord that we're finding out more about. And notice here how they were all connected. You can't take one part out of it. They're all connected. They're all to do with each other. They're all aspects of his nature and character and ministry. And so these are all inextricably linked one to the other. Now the word judgment here for the breastplate of judgment is a little bit misleading. Normally whenever we think of the, the word judgment, 
particularly when it comes to Scripture and the Bible and God, we're normally thinking in terms of God is going to judge somebody. God's going to judge an individual. God's going to judge a nation. God's going to judge you. He's going to judge me. But the word judgment here is not in that sense at all. The word judgment here is in a different sense. It means more uh, discernment, decision. Uh, For instance, you may say, in my judgment, I think such and such should be done with so-and-so in my judgment. See how that's different? In my opinion, this is what I think. So it's not as if you're condemning. It's not in the sense of a condemning way, but you're discerning and you're making a decision. You're making a judgment. This is, in my opinion, this is what I think. In my judgment, this is what I think. And so it's in that sense. So in effect, this breastplate is the breastplate of of decision or discernment. Uh, The reason being is because the Urim and Thummim is in there, which were which was a device or devices uh, to ascertain the will of God. Now we'll come to those, the Urim and Thummim, much, much later on in this study. We're not going to talk about them in depth now. We'll talk about them later. A little bit of mystery about them, what exactly they were. Because the Bible doesn't tell us what exactly they were, but we have a fair idea. And so we'll mention that later. But whatever they were, they were certainly for ascertaining and finding out the will of God. We'll see later when we study that how that David at Ziglag called for the priest of Biathar, asked for the ephod, and when he asked for the ephod, he was actually concerned about the breastplate of decisions or discernment or judgment that was on the breast was on the ephod in order to find out through the Urim and Thummim what the will of God was. But we'll do that much later. Now notice here also that it had twelve precious stones. In four rows of three. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. And these were beautiful, uh, lovely stones that were inset. And uh, before we ever come to tell you about the individual stones, which we'll do in a later study, uh, tonight I just want to touch on them just in a general way. And then we'll look at more specifically uh, later on. Now these Stones were again on this breastplate, which was four square. It was a span in length and a span in breadth. So it was nine inches long, nine inches broad, square, doubled over with the urim and thummim inside. Now this geometrical, symmetrical shape, this square shape, is, is quite prevalent whenever you study the tabernacle. For instance, the brazen altar was four square. The altar of incense was four square. And here we have the breastplate, also four square. So this speaks of the, the equity of Christ, the even-handedness, the fairness, if you will, the balance in Christ. And Christ was very fair. And he was very balanced. And we see that in his ministry. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for all equally. He died for the Jew, but he died for the Gentile. Galatians 3.28, Paul says, In him there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And so there's a fairness, there's an equity about Christ when it comes to man's souls. For God so loved 
the world equally. There's not a man in this world that Christ didn't die for. And that's the the equity of Christ, the even-handedness, the fairness of Christ. He ministered to the rich. He ministered to the poor. He ministered to men. He ministered to women. He ministered to boys. He ministered to girls. He ministered to the tax collector. He ministered to the sinful woman. He ministered to the, to the leper, to the centurion's servant, to the sons and daughters of Abraham, and to the stranger in the land. It didn't matter where they came from, or who they were. And it got them into trouble a lot of times, did not? Did it not? Does he not know who this woman is, the Pharisee said? If he was a prophet, he would know who this woman is. Of course, he knew exactly who she was. And he loved her. And actually, she loved him. (laughs) She poured that beautiful ointment on him, didn't she? Whenever Jesus said, I I must needs go through Samaria, the hackles rose up in the disciples' neck. I mean, that just was anathema to them. I mean, they hated Samaritans. Surely he's not going to go through the Samaritan territory. Of all the places to go. And of course, then he meets the Samaritan woman at the well. And they were, sorry, I better not hold up my hand, squeeze that laser beam, it's going to hit you. And... uh, so, so more than once he got into trouble for, for being even-handed, to, to be fair. It didn't matter whether it was a Roman centurion, a Samaritan woman, or a Jew, or a Pharisee. He treated them all alike if they came to him, and they needed help. That was the ministry of Christ, wasn't it? And so, this four square may also represent, if we could just throw this in, it may also represent the portrayal of Christ in the New Testament and the four Gospels. In Matthew's Gospel, he is betrayed as the king. In Mark's Gospel, he is betrayed as the servant. In Luke's Gospel, is the son of man. and John's Gospel, the son of God. And as you read through the four Gospels, you'll, you'll see lots of similarities, particularly with the synoptic Gospels, the first three. Synoptic means see together. Optics see and sins together, see together. So when you read the first three, you'll see lots of similarities. John's is somewhat different in that it focuses more on his sonship, and particularly what he did on the cross, the latter part of his life. But when you read them all, and you read them all together, you get a full orb picture, a four-square picture of who Christ really was and is. And that's why we ought to read those Gospels and read them together. And of course, some Pentecostal denominations like to call themselves four square. Jesus is Savior, Healer, Baptizer, Coming King. Four Square Gospel Alliance is one. And so it's a great motto, isn't it? And so all of that's describing the, the equity and the balance and the fairness of Christ. Right now, Jesus, our great high priest, he mediates, he intercedes on our behalf, and he makes no distinction. And that's the wonderful thing about Christ. No color barrier, no racial barrier, no social barrier, no gender barrier, no denominational barrier. If you are his child tonight, he's interceding for you.
at the Father's throne. And so whenever we think of this being four square, we're thinking of that fairness, that equity, that even-handedness, that balance of Christ and His ministry. And should we not be the same? Should, that not, should we not reflect that ministry also of Christ had? And then this breastplate was connected to the ephod with four rings and chains and ribbons. And there was a, if I can just show you this illustration I said this morning is not totally correct and I'll point out in a moment. But the connection here, right there in each corner of the breastplate was a golden ring. And from the two top golden rings, there was like little wreathing golden chains, twisted gold into like little links of chains that reached from the golden ring up to the shoulder clasp of the shoulder stones were here. And then in the bottom two, where the bottom two rings was on the breastplate, there was a ring, there were six of them, so there was a ring attached to the curious girdle here and here, and between those two that connected, those two was uh, a, sorry, let me just fix this. Sorry. So between these two here, there was a golden rings attached to the curious girdle, and they connected to the rings on the breastplate by two uh, blue ribbons. And so this was very deliberate. Uh, God ordained this. This was God's instructions to Moses. Moses just didn't think these things up. This was by God's design. And as all these things are pointing to Christ, you can be sure that God had well thought out. Now gold speaks of deity. Uh, we have talked about that a few times in this study, particularly this morning. But blue not only speaks of divinity, which we said it did, but also of grace, which we also mentioned. So how, how so it mentions grace? Well, it speak, represents grace. Well, you remember whenever we were talking about this color before, we said that how that the heavens, the skies represent divinities higher than the heavens. It also represents grace because when you look in the sky that's thunderous and ominous and there's great thunder clouds and great dark anvils in the sky, you, it gives an image of judgment, doesn't it? Uh, we think of the judgment of God in the Old Testament and very often it came in that, you know, that thunderous lightning and dark skies and threatening skies. But then when the rainbow comes out and the clouds go away, and then there's that beautiful blue sky that reminds us of the goodness of God, of the grace of God. And so, God above, He demands justice because He's a holy God. And Christ was both holy and just so He could reach up to God as it were. Speaking of these chains reaching up Man below needed grace 
and needed mercy. And Christ is the ribbon of blue that reaches down in grace and in mercy. As our mediator, and I apologize for repeating it, he reaches up to God, he reaches down to us, and he brings us together in reconciliation. And that's his wonderful ministry as mediator. Grace, as you know, is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Mercy is the flip side of grace. Aren't you glad when he doesn't give you what you do deserve? Sure, we're glad when he does give us what we don't deserve, but many times we're just glad for the second one, aren't we? So all of these things, the rings, the chains, the ribbons, the breastplate, the ephod, the curious girdle, the linen coat, the blue garment of the ephod, all of these things speak of Christ and his wonderful ministry and his great character and nature. And then the precious stones, which were on the breastplate and on the shoulder clasps or shoulder straps. Now they adorned this ephod, studded with it. And notice when we read it says that the twelve names of the tribes of Israel were engraved, one on each of these twelve stones. Notice that they were placed close to the heart of the high priest. And it tells us so that when he would go in to minister, the tribes of Israel would be close to his heart as he had ministered before God on their behalf. And when Christ, our great high priest, goes in before the Father and intercede for us, we're on his heart. Aren't you glad for that? You and I are on his heart continually. In Hebrews chapter 2, if I could just remind you of this. In verse 17 of Hebrews 2, Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to make propitiation, for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. Hmm. And then, just over chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Scripture says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. If you can wake up in the morning before you put a foot out of your bed 
If you can realize at that point, the Lord Jesus is in the heavenly throne room and he's got you on his heart. I tell you, you go through that day a lot easier. He's got you on his heart. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. See that they were set in order. God is a God of order, design, and objectivity. God doesn't do anything by accident. God plans, He designs, He orders. The very stars in their courses testify to the order of God. For centuries, men charted their course through the seas by the order of the stars because they could depend upon them. They could depend upon them in their various seasons that they would be there. Astronomers note very carefully the accuracy of the stars in their courses and of the planets. They can time them to the second. God is a God of great order. God is an intelligent creator. Even angels and demons have an order. <laughs> Don't you know that? That there's seraphim, cherubim, archangels, guardian angels. <laughs> there's all kinds of angels in ranks, in orders. That's why Satan's kingdom mirrors heaven's kingdom. Because he has got principalities and powers. <laughs> Wickedness in high places. There's an order even in the demonic realm. Because God's a God of order. Nature is highly ordered. How many times have you heard people talking about the delicate, fragile ecosystem well, if all those birds are killed, it's going to upset the ecosystem. Well, if we do away with the sharks, it's going to set the, upset the ecosystem of the oceans, and on and on it goes. And, and to a large degree, that is true, because there is an order in all of these things. Even in nature, it's highly ordered. Look at a snowflake. Look at the order and design, even in a simple snowflake. It's amazing. And so... These beautiful, precious stones were set in order on the breastplate of the high priest. And so they were the sardius, the topaz, the carbuncle, I'm quoting now from the AV, the emerald, sapphire, the diamond, ligure, agate, amethyst, beryl, onyx, and jasper. These precious stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel and each one of them was one of the names on the 12 tribes. Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Reuben, Simeon, and Gad, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin, Dan, and Asher, Naphtali. The shoulder clasps, one on each shoulder, these onyx stones set in gold, and on them were the names of the sons 
of Israel, sons of Jacob, is Israel. Six on each stone. So on one stone we have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, and Naphtali. On the other stone we have Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulon, Joseph, and Benjamin. I read those all pretty quickly. But if you read those in slower fashion, and if you compared, you'd find there what seems like a discrepancy. Now remember, God's a God of order. It seems like a discrepancy. For example, the names of Joseph and Levi do not appear on the breastplate, but they are on the shoulder stones. But the names of Ephraim and Manasseh are on the breastplate, but they're not on the shoulder stones. Why come? Remembering God's a God of order. Did God make a mistake? Absolutely not. Well, according to the scriptures we read, that the names of the sons of Israel were written on the shoulder stones according to their birth. But the names of the children of Israel were written on the breastplate according to their tribes. Now, Numbers chapter 10 gives us the order of the tribes, and it's this order. Whenever the camp of Israel in the wilderness with the great tabernacle and the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day, and it rested there, and they had to encamp around with all their tribes, all around the tabernacle in the wilderness, there was a design, there was a design in that. There was an order to the tribes. God gave the order through Moses. Here's the order again. God's an order. God of order and design. Levi and Joseph's names appear in the shoulder stones because they were born into the family. But Levi is not on the breastplate. Why? Because the tribe of Levi, their priestly duties separate them, separate them unto God for ministry in the tabernacle. Joseph is not in the breastplate, and yet he was promised by God in Genesis 48, 22, a portion above his brethren. A double portion. His two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, they got their place upon the breastplate. So, there was 12 stones on the shoulder clasp and 12 on the breastplate according to the order and the design of God. Because God overrules in all the affairs of man. Remember in the blessing of the two sons how that the hands were switched over? All of that was, can't go into that tonight, but all of that was God's purpose and plan. I notice here the sons... Names were on the shoulder. Shoulder is the place of strength, isn't it? We talk about putting our shoulder to the wheel. We talk about somebody who's strong has broad shoulders. They can carry a load, and I don't just mean a physical load. Now, but somebody who carries great responsibility on their shoulders. Say they want to get strong shoulders, that guy, because look at the load he's carrying of responsibility. It's the place of strength. The heart is the place of affection. And so with Christ, he not only carries us in his heart, but he carries us on his shoulder. We have found the place of affection in his heart. And because he loves us, he carries us on his shoulder. Isn't that good to know tonight? That his heart loves us. 
and he's willing to take the load for us. When we feel under pressure and we feel stressed and we feel just cannot cope to know that Christ can get underneath that load and lift. It's a wonderful thing. Notice that the twelve were written on onyx stones. The twelve sons. The stones were the same for all twelve stones. Onyx stones. No different. They were different for the tribes, but the same for the sons. We're the sons and we're the daughters of God, aren't we? As far as God's concerned, we're all the same. No difference in us, sons and daughters. Loves us equally the same. He doesn't love you more than he loves me. He loves us equally. The tribes were written on different stones, but the families were on the same stones. As far as our salvation is concerned, we are all one in Christ. Amen. Foot of the cross is level. The moment you get saved, you're as much saved as the person who's been saved a hundred years. You're as much a child of God as they are. You're as much born again as they are. You're as much a son or a daughter of God as they are. You're a child of God too. But there's a difference in our service. And that's why every stone representing the tribe was different. Because they had a different service. Even their placement around the camp was different. Whenever they moved, when the camp moved, they had a specific job. And it was different. So even though we're all the same as far as our salvation is concerned, but we're all different as far as our service is concerned. Can you say amen to that? Some pastor may pastor a small church somewhere. Another may pastor a megachurch. Some evangelist, some pilgrim may go out into the little country areas like the Faith Mission does, put up a tent for six weeks. Another may go to Africa or India and they can't get a tent big enough because there's hundreds of thousands come. But that's just the difference in their service. They're both saved. They're both children of the Lord. So we're all different in our service. We're all different in our personalities. We're different in our abilities. We're different in our attributes. We're different in our... We're different. And the wonderful thing about these stones on the breastplate, they're all different, gloriously different, beautifully different. I think it was uh, the late Daisy Osborne said, don't ever try to be the other person because God's already got one of those. <laughs> He doesn't need another one. He's got one. But he needs you. And he needs me. But isn't it part of our weakness as human beings that we often want to be the other person? And we look over at that big shiny diamond over there and say, I'd love to be like that. I'm just a kind of an emerald, you know, and just not much sparkle about me, but boy, that diamond, it really sparkles. It really shines. 
And so God sets us according to our several abilities. And sure, one stone may shine brighter than the others. That's fine. If it's designed to do that, fine. But if God has got us in his breastplate, it's for a purpose. And he takes great delight in every single stone. All are precious and valuable to him. All. Say, David, if I could only sing, if I could only preach, if I only had the gift of the gap, if I could communicate, if, if, if. But what about what you can do? What about what God has given you? What about any gift or talent that's in you? Paul said to Philemon that the communication of your faith, that the outworking of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Philemon 1 and 6. By the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. What good thing is in you? Lots of good things in you. Acknowledge it. Be who you are. Don't try to be the other person. I learned a long time ago in ministry, I am who I am. For better or for worse, like me or lump me. I wish I was a shouting type of preacher like Willie Dick there and I could jump up and down this platform like Paul James and jump off that platform and get in your face. That's just not me. I, that's just not me. I enjoy that. I love that. I, God bless them, but it's just not me. So I'm me. <laughs> You're stuck with me. <laughs> if you don't like me, too bad because I ain't about to change. That's just me. That's the way I am. All right? I'll do the best the way I am, and if that's not good enough, I'm sorry. That's, that's all I've got, folks. <laughs> but you know what? I'm content being who I am. I, 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 I solved that a long, long time ago. David, just be who you are. It's the way God made me, so I'll just be that way. See, they all made up one breastplate, didn't they? Paul says that God's body on earth, the church, he said it's got many members, but it's all one body. This is what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not of a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, then where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members. Notice that God has set. You are set in the body of Christ. God has set the members, each one, in, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. 
And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts of greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. That's why he goes on to say, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, variety of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts, yet I'll show you a more excellent way. What a variety. Hmm. What a variety is in the body of Christ. Aren't you glad for that? Eh? And so whenever our great high priest, when he goes before the throne to represent us, he knows us individually, personally. Knows our individual needs Individual desires, individual temperaments, personalities. He knows her strengths. He knows her weaknesses. Who better to go before the Father and intercede for us than our great high priest? Because <clears throat> he cares about us. He's got us on his, in his heart and he has us on his shoulders. And so there you are tonight, folks. The breastplate. No doubt you could come next week and preach another sermon than that and probably could do it for a month. Every time you read it, you see something different and something better and something more glorious. Every time you read it, another stone sparkles at you. Must have been a beautiful outfit. Must have been gorgeous, eh? There must have been some size of stones to get the name of the tribe because some of those with big names like Issachar took a big stone for that, didn't it? But they must have been beautiful. Very, very costly. But so close to his heart. Amen.